Good morning. In my limited travels across the world, I have often been surprised by the similarities I have found among people who I initially assumed would be quite different from me. There are still many places I have not yet had the chance to visit, but even with the knowledge I have of just a few of the world's vast cultures and peoples, my experiences have convinced me over and over again that there is actually much more we all share in common than there are things that divide us. And the easiest way to figure that out, really, is just take a little time and pay attention to what people around the world eat. Yes, ethnic and cultural cuisine is different and unique everywhere, even from state to state here in our own great nation. But at its base level, there's at least one big thing that I believe binds us all together as human beings. And as much as I'd like that to be barbecue, The truth of the matter, it is in some form that thing which is baked or fried, flat or risen, salty or sweet, it is bread. Growing up in the Appalachian Mountains of Kentucky, this was just a fact that was embedded in me from the very moment I came into the world. I can't remember a family meal, a church dinner, or any special occasion while I was growing up that didn't include a plate of biscuits that my grandmother would roll out with her wooden rolling pin and cut from scratch. And if biscuits were not on the menu, I knew what would be replacing them. It would be a heavy slice of cornbread, straight, cut straight from a sacred and holy cast iron skillet that I once made the terrible mistake of sticking into the sink and trying to wash. That nearly got me scarred for life my grandmother never washed it. She wiped it out and she tucked it away in a special shelf in her kitchen cabinet. Years later, I thought about my grandmother's bread when I first stepped out into the streets of the city of Tegucigalpa in the Central American country of Honduras and caught the smells of women there preparing tortillas and selling them on every street corner. When I got out into the mountains and tiny villages on the border with the country of Nicaragua, that smell and taste of fresh tortilla bread present at every single meal became the cultural connector from those mountains I was in in Central America back home to the mountains I grew up in in the Upper South. And that was just the beginning. Again, in the heat and mystery of Israel and Palestine, I ate my fill of freshly prepared pita bread along with long strands of Palestinian cack bread encrusted with sesame street seeds and complete with little paper twists of green zaytar spice sold on the streets in the Muslim quarter of the old city of Jerusalem. And when I first arrived in Ireland, now nearly a decade ago, it was the thick brown soda bread, followed later by sweet barmbrack bread with golden raisins and black raisins in the autumn And finally, Audrey's dad's delicious homemade scones that he always offered to you with a cup of hot tea in his home kitchen. That bread always with a nice dollop and a nice big dollop of Irish butter made me realize that even if there was a great ocean between me and my family at home, I truly was at home anyway. 
I've learned that it is the consistency of bread in all of its many forms in every place I've ever been that is really that deep universal language of welcome and hospitality. Regardless of culture or ethnicity, it is bread that is always met with smiles and with instant friendship when it is broken and shared with anyone, friend or foe, stranger or kin. And if you think about your own encounters with bread in your life's journeys and travels, and then you go back and pick up your Bible and read the Gospels, it's pretty easy to quickly spot just how our entire faith is built around the life, death, and resurrection of a God-man who loved, perhaps more than anything else, to break and eat bread with the people he met. Our colic that we just heard this morning, we just prayed together for this third Sunday of Easter, says it perfectly, I think. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work. Jesus, the incarnation of divine love and righteousness, is made most perfectly known to us, his disciples, not in great works of power or strength, not in magic or miracles, not in symbols or secret esoteric knowledge, but rather in the simple act of taking a piece of bread, breaking it, sharing it, and communing it with each other and with all of creation. That action of communion for us as Christians is truly holy communion. Christ's body broken and shared with God's people to build us up into himself. The the sons and daughters of God, which that first letter from John tells us is what we really are. And so this morning, we find ourselves returning for the second time in two Sundays to that wonderful upper room. This time in the Gospel of Luke, where the disciples are hidden away with the doors closed and the window shades shut. The disciples are again gathered together, questioning this report that they've heard of Christ's empty tomb, which Peter himself went and saw, and the stories of his appearances, Jesus' appearances, risen from the dead to those who knew him. For ancient people, just as for those of us today who love a good ghost story, The reports of the appearance of the dead were not all that uncommon and not unknown in ancient Palestine. The disciples' first thoughts, as Luke's gospel reveals this morning, were that the wild, mysterious declaration of Jesus' appearing and speaking to the women and of those followers who were walking with him on the road to Emmaus were simply that, ghost stories. An idea that the ethereal spirit of the very dead Jesus was rising up and speaking again to the living. So when Jesus there in that moment suddenly materializes in the midst of the disciples in that upper room, the gospel writer of Luke tells us that the disciples were startled and terrified and they thought that they were seeing just that, a ghost. Yet just as Jesus did in last week's story from John's gospel, in Luke's gospel this morning, he first announces peace to his disciples, and then he bids them to reach out and physically touch his wounded hands and feet, to lay hands on his very solid flesh. 
His father, George Hinchliffe, told us last week, just this invitation to touch Jesus had been all that was needed for that dear old doubting Thomas in the Gospel of John. But today, the Gospel of Luke says that even after showing the wounds and inviting the disciples to touch his flesh, those joyful disciples were still disbelieving and wondering. So Jesus decides to go one step forward. The one thing that Jesus seemed to know would break through the shock and disbelief of that moment and help the disciples finally recognize the true human life that was in front of them once and for all. Jesus asked the disciples to give him something to eat. Now, I can tell you there are many reasons why great theologians think the resurrected Jesus asks for food in his appearance to the disciples in Luke's gospel. There are entire theological treatises and historical overviews of first century Judaism that seek to speak of great metaphors and religious symbols in this morning's gospel story. But I have to tell you, after all the trips and travels I've had, I tend to think that the real reason for Jesus doing it this morning is a lot less dramatic. Jesus was a man who, as we've already said, throughout the gospel narratives, took time in his ministry and life to stop and enjoy a good meal, whether it be with apostles or with tax collectors or with Pharisees or anyone. By suddenly asking his most beloved friends this morning for food, literally to give him a fish the disciples may have pulled up from the nets of the Sea of Galilee with Jesus himself, The shock and disbelief suddenly falls away from their hearts and their minds. And the friends of Jesus who knew Jesus better than anyone else fully recognize that this new form in front of them is not a ghost and not a spirit. But it is their Lord and rabbi resurrected in the flesh and in the bone and in blood. Because here's the thing, ghosts don't eat. It takes a living human being to request food, to break it, to share it, and to consume it. So therefore, it is the resurrected Jesus standing there in front of them, living and breathing and fulfilling all that had been written in that great Easter moment and sealing the faith and hope that we continue to share to this day for all that is being set right in the kingdom of God. As it was then, it is today. Jesus is alive. And so, brothers and sisters, today in the same way, all these years later, eating bread and drinking wine, the body and blood of Jesus fully present for all ready to receive it underneath a wafer and in a chalice is still our central act of faith and worship as Christians. Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and many days in between here in this parish church, our Lord Jesus Christ is revealed in word and in prayer and in Holy Scripture. But just as importantly, he is also revealed in that one universal thing all of us human beings have come to recognize, no matter where it is we come from or where it is we go in the world. The good news of Jesus is revealed to us in the breaking of bread and in the sharing of a meal, both around the altar here in the church and then far out beyond that altar through beyond the sacramental act of Holy Communion in the world, in our direct actions of service for the poor and for the needy. 
Really, I believe if you want to know what a world finished in God, the creator can feel like what it can look like, what it can smell like, just open your hearts the next time you are gathered around this table in the church or a table somewhere on this church property outside or inside or when you gather with family at home and with friends or when you meet up with those people at the church without walls or at the Soulsbacher Center at the Yukon Food Pantry, people who are in need in our community and in our world. Just open your hearts in that moment and you will see God and you will know yourselves that Christ is alive and living fully. Jesus promises us this morning that we are already witnesses to all of these things. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread and in the eating of a fish, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work and spread his good news in the world so that we may become children of God through him, for that is what we are. Amen.